0: You are listening to Hydro Talks, a podcast from the global aluminium producer Hydro, setting out to explore the modern dilemmas for industry and society.
1: Hello and welcome to Hydro Talks. My name is Einar Stabul and I will be your host today. Um, in this episode, we will talk about practical use of blockchain technology with focus on product traceability, and sustainability claims, which is a hot topic within the EU and industries in general. Uh, I'm happy to be joined by Sven Edgren, Head of Digital Assurance Services at DNV, who is an expert at block-based services with focus on how companies can build trust and share verified product claim digitally across the supply chain. Welcome. Thank you, Eirne. Uh, and we also have uh, Jürgen Hansson from Hydro, who is the uh, project lead in our blockchain pilot together with uh, Denve and CSR manager. Welcome to you Jürgen. Thanks I Happy to be here. Yes, great to have you both. Let's start with uh, use when uh, blockchain for many people, it's, uh, they heard of it, but they m- might feel that it's a bit of an abstract concept. Can you maybe briefly explain a little bit what it is and your approach to it?
2: Yes, uh, very much. Um, so, yeah, blockchain is essentially also referred to as a, a decentralized ledger technology. So it's it's like a database, but which is not sitting centrally in one place, but um, uh, let's say disparate or shared amongst several servers. Um, and a second key feature about blockchain is that these uh, servers are connected like in a network, you could uh, look, view it as a spider web, and the information is, let's say, logged on one server, and another piece of information is logged on uh, the neighboring server in a sequential manner, and they are, you know, building one block of information after the other, and putting it, let's say, in a given order. Hence the word uh, blockchain, it's a a series of blocks in a a data chain. Um, The the third element, I think, is that what differentiates it from, you know, a a usual way of storing information or, uh, you know, database. Um, For the first, um, in the type of blockchain that we apply, we are talking about defined stakeholders. So you have, let's say, in a sense, parties that you are aware of who they are what is their role in that given setting Um, so you could say you are in a sort of a a trusted network of uh, companies and stakeholders second feature of the blockchain is um, its time stamping so anything that is written to the blockchain it is clear who it is coming from uh, when it was done and also you know what was then written. So, you have, in a sense, a perfect ledger, or a trail, uh, what happened when, by whom. And the last thing is, I think, the the sort of the broadcasting power of blockchain. So, you can uh, invite, you know, a a, a large public, you can make information transparent and visible to to many, many stakeholders. It could be, you know, B2B uh, customers or it could be even B2C companies and their consumers. Um, and you can always invite them people to look, at, look up the information at the source. So you're not just putting out a, a, you know, a, a piece of paper in that sense digitally, but you're also welcoming them to say, here's the information. And now if you want to see more, you, know, you can go behind the scene and actually check for yourself you know, that a, a given transaction has happened. So I think that, in sort of a nutshell, is uh, what we are talking about when we talk about blockchain and how we can add value. Have
1: you seen uh, a greater demand uh, after more and more focus on sustainability has sort of come into place?
2: Definitely, um, sustainability is a key driver for demand. Uh, I mean, blockchain in the early days, let's say it came about around 2008 when, uh, you know, the famous sort of uh, Bitcoin uh, as kind of a prime mover uh, saw the light. And and then for many years, it was kind of in the so-called crypto space. So it means that uh, the blockchain applications of the time were really around, uh, you know, transferring values and uh, money transfers, in a sense. And then I would say early 2010-12, you know, there was a sort of the next level of what else can blockchain or this type of protocols and and databases be used for? And then uh, you entered all kinds of areas like logistics, food safety, where do materials come from? Luxury goods, um, and uh, and and as these type of applications, uh, so you know, became relevant. Of course, many brands place a large importance of on uh, you know sustainability claims, green uh, strategy, CO2 footprinting. Uh, and uh, today, I think it's fair to say, out of let's say blockchain-related services, uh, I'm pretty sure that about half of them. Are related to the topic of sustainability and proving, let's say, uh, claims made in that area.
1: Very interesting. And uh, on that subject, uh, Jurgen Hydro and DNV uh, joined forces in a new pilot project where we use the blockchain powered tag Trace Trust, a service developed by DNV. Uh, can you tell us a little bit how this come, uh, came about?
0: Uh, yeah, I can I can give it a try. And first of all, I'm grateful for uh, the fact that Sven had to explain uh, the blockchain technology because you know if you don't tell anybody, I must admit that I still struggle to to coin that in a in a very you know uh, lean one sentence pitch. Uh, even even though I have been working with it for quite some time. Uh, but uh, um, I think from from Hito's perspective uh, in this uh, this small pilot, I think. One thing is of course you know what are the characteristics of, of a blockchain which is of course highly important in terms of the technical perspective but for hydro at least uh, the the way dnvgl and hydro started to discuss it around the sustainability of brands that we have it's more like how can blockchain as a you know general purpose technology be an enabler to to sort of or a vehicle for us to promote um uh, some of our Different types of I wouldn't even say commodities, but solutions, right? So, so it's not that we we looked at blockchain as an intrinsic good in any way. It was more like we have, in this case, um, uh, Redoxa and uh, Circa, uh, which we have been working on for a long, long time uh, because we believe, uh, and we believe when we started, and we still believe today that there is, you know, a potential and a market for greener brands. Let's just uh, uh, call it that. And uh, and as uh, different technologies uh, appears on the stage, uh, we thought it would be useful to to reinforce or accelerate or explore how this perhaps could be a different way of presenting these types of solutions to the market. And, And, you know, like Sven pointed to, there are elements with blockchain where we have this transparency, this immutability. Uh, I like his his word, the broadcasting uh, element, which, you know, it makes it easier for Hydro to talk across the whole chain of stakeholders, not just the B2B segment, but all the way to the end customer who then can backtrack and see that, you know, ideally, if you have Hüdo inside, it has certain characteristics uh, in, in, in the aluminum solutions and they can prove it. So that was the starting point, sort of like, continue to develop these two strong brands that we have and and use technology as uh, one piece of that puzzle.
1: Very interesting and in when it comes to sustainability it's been a lot of focus on walking the talk. I mean we can talk as much as we want about sustainability but this project s- sort of sets out a way to show customers the data so they can decide for themselves. Maybe uh, Sven, so you can explain a little bit of how can the customer actually obtain this data, and what will they see?
2: Yes. So if we maybe start from the the example or the the sort of the, the use case that a product comes with a a given piece of information, so like a data sheet or a product passport, you know, then um, you would typically have a product, so a physical good, an object. Uh, we would first of all tag it. So it would mean that we would have sort of a a reference number so you could have a production, a a product usually has a serial number and a production batch. So it's important to know what you have. You know, that is sort of the starting point. And then what you do with sort of the digital passport, if you like, uh, like could be used for trace Trust, you um, associate then the information behind the product uh, and put it in the the format you like so how you want to present it you know on a pc landing page on a smartphone landing page and then you uh, the way we do it is we simply um, have a a url so a web landing page which um, most easiest is expressed in a qr code so you have a document digital a qr code on it and by just merely pointing your smartphone camera at that, uh, you are sort of automatically, if you like, taken to that information. So I think this is the usual, I mean, the most easy way of, let's say, connecting an end user to the product information. But there are, of course, other ways uh, besides QR codes. It can be sort of NFC technology, like we have in our uh, you know, banking cards for payless, for uh, you know, touchless payments. There are many ways to transport the information, but I think QR code is kind of the most simple and widely spread at the moment.
1: And is it? Can you trust the data and and make sure that, uh, let's say, a company have, has not tampered with the information?
2: Yeah. So I think there's two trust elements. Um, it is, of course, the case that blockchain by itself is um, not. You know, stopping anyone from writing wrong information into it. Okay. Uh, so I think here the first trust element comes a little bit from the fact of a renowned party or a company. So, you know, a company like Hydro or DNV, you know, come with a certain maybe brand promise and that they do things in a certain way, which is trustworthy. So when Hydro decides we write information into the blockchain, then, of course, with, um, with let's say, your own reputation, that is a source of trust. And anyone accessing information that, let's say, Hydro has issued digitally, can at least be sure that it's Hydro that has entered that information. It is not any other party. And if you want to elevate that trust, um, and uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say that in, in the use case we have with uh, Carl Reduxa, uh, we have taken also this approach. You can also have underlying, um, let's call it, checkup of data or product claims by independent third party. So when Hydro goes to market and says we have a, a preferential or beneficial carbon footprint of our aluminium product compared to you know the, the the market average, then it is also based on the fact that there was an independent review done. Of the CO2 footprint behind the production uh, with the use of energy, etc. So of course you can then say the second label of trust could be that you draw on a uh, you know independent third party like DMV or any other uh, body for that sense uh, to to confirm that uh, the data you have actually put forward makes sense and is uh, is done or presented calculated in the in the correct way, according to a protocol, which is uh, defined.
1: Exactly. And Jorgen, for, uh, for us, I mean, uh, for hydro, aluminium is a, is a commodity, it looks very similar, but the way it's produced uh, vastly differ. Uh, differ value. And, and uh, how important is it for us to, to sort of showcase the different footprint that our material have?
0: Uh, well, you know, the, the short answer to that is, of course, that as long as we have the better products, which we obviously have, uh, it's uh, it's hugely interesting for us to showcase that, right? And of course, it's more complicated than that, right? It is it's it is about, you know, lifting the bar not only for us, but for everybody else as well. Huh? Um, so so having said that, it's like Sven said, we have these two brands, uh, the Zerkal and the Reduxa, where we have verified data confirming that we are above, you know, uh, both global average and even European average and nearing the top end in terms of, you know, CO2 footprint and post-consumer recycled scrap respectively. And we think or believe and also get confirmation in the market that these are, you know, attributes that, you know, makes it something more than just a commodity for customers and increasingly so. And and uh, by uh, using blockchain, it provides us and our customers. I think that's also important here, right? Uh, this is not something we can do ourselves. We need to have a, a pull in the market for or a demand in the market for this way of communicating. We give our customers a new way of, you know, showing this to their customers again, and and. Um, it also, like in the case with Vestre, uh, who we may, which we may be talking about later, you can start enriching the data flow as you pass on through to the next, you know, manufacturer or process in the chain, so did the end customer can then see, okay, this is what Company A added in terms of CO2, for example. Then it went to Company B. They this they did this and this to the product. It added or subtracted and so forth. So, so for us. It's a differentiator for sure, uh, but the main differentiator is of course uh, the products or solutions that we already have. So it's mm. it's it's just an, an, like I said, a vehicle, uh, a different arena to promote this on. Uh,
1: based on that, can you briefly explain a little bit uh, about uh, the pilot project we have with Vestra and, and their role in this?
0: Uh, I, yes, I can. Uh, now Vestre is, is a furniture producer uh, here in Norway, and uh, uh, they are also, you know, a, sort of an ideal target in terms of uh, of going outside the company with uh, with a sustainability uh, a biased uh, a blockchain uh, pilot, because they are, you know, very visible in the sustainability area in terms of you know how they do. Uh, and and produce their own furniture, you know, independently of you But, of course, that trickles down to, you know, what type of materials do they source? Well, if they want to be sustainable, they have to show that they source sustainable, you know, raw materials. And uh, they have then targeted CIRCAL as one of those main sources into all their future, or at least, you know, parts of their future collections of of, uh, outdoor furnitures because it has this post-consumer characteristic that we can vouch for. So for them, it was interesting to, to, you know, get the certificates, you know, or the data sheets that Sven uh, uh, mentioned uh, from us on the blockchain into their own systems. Mm -hmm. And then they will, in this small pilot, combine that with the other main input uh, channel, which is wood, of course, because, you know, uh, metal and wood makes the bench, And then they will create their own landing page so that when you sit on these benches, you can scan the QR code, and then you will automatically be taken to a page which explains, you know, these are the sustainability characteristics of this split uh, bench, split into, and then wood and aluminum. And then they they can go backwards all the way to when that circle batch left the gates of of, uh, Clairvaux, I think in this case. And then of course there will be, you know, Data on the, the CO two footprint, maybe, or on the post consumer recycled scrap content, and so forth. And you know, you can trace the physical, you know, history in a way. It left Clavero, it went to Magno, it ended up at Vestre, and then went to Husneskumul in this in, uh, case.
1: Very interesting, and uh, I think we see a push towards greater transparency that largely comes from consumer demand, and that fits well with the project we're doing with with Vestre. Maybe uh, to sum up, Sven, and and to to summarize a little bit, um, moving forward, uh, do you see more companies utilizing blockchain technology for their supply chain and a more practical approach to the whole blockchain uh, technology?
2: Yeah, I think um... You know, there will be a democratization of uh, of uh, access to blockchain, just like five years ago, it was super exotic and you needed some you know, specialist skills to kind of enter a blockchain. Uh, today, it's much more accessible that you essentially just have a web access um, and you can have a simple web form, which in a way just writes the, the information into the blockchain. So. I think uh, smart applications, essentially, just like we use them in our private lives uh, and in business, are the key to also easy, easy use of blockchain. Um, a second point I'd like to make, it, we talked a lot so far about you know the information that uh, blockchain can carry throughout the chain in an ecosystem. I think that's definitely you know, uh, a core um, element of what blockchain can offer. However, I think there is also two, two other elements which you know come to play and that are equally powerful. Uh, the one thing the, the second thing is the, the ownership aspect. so you can you can of course relate to in a supply chain from you know uh, a commodity into a manufactured product like aluminium into maybe a secondary product like a bench. Uh, you could also in the blockchain, uh, show the proof of transfer of ownership, um, which you know just elevates much more also uh, the, f- the full application of what blockchain can do. And uh, questions like it can be in the supply chain of metals, but you know if you think about vaccination, which is a hot topic these days, you know when when did the vaccination leave the, the factory door? When did it uh, reach a um, health center? When was it injected into a person? And then becomes really the interesting point, do you really need, um, you know, a yellow vaccination paper, like we have all these yellow passports where we have our vaccinations? Or um, or do you just have this digital trail and can connect, you know, the vaccination and a personal identity? So I think the the notion of, of uh, you know, digital identities, uh, ownership of a product or of a service, um i think is is interesting and the last one is values uh, value like back to the, we talked about crypto right that blockchain was transferring values from not to Jurgen, for instance and that is proven in the blockchain if you think about the the you know decarbonization drive that all, many companies are looking for the carbon credits that you may uh, earn because you have optimized your efficient your energy use or you are also in addition doing offsetting these carbon credits of course have a value and uh, i think in a in an ecosystem of players it's foreseeable that also this value of you know i bought a product from hydro therefore i can claim a benefit and it kind of belongs to me the next company in the transformation process i think this can become another value element which, uh, well, you know, blockchain is kind of the engine behind the transfer of value. So I think just to summarize, you know, it's the information, it's the ownership, and it's a value transfer, which you know, I think will be the next uh, key steps on on our journey together. Mm.
1: And uh, Jürgen, to uh, to summarize uh, in the end there uh, briefly on on the pilot project. What, else, what is your experience so far, and uh, what do you think about uh, using blockchain moving forward for a company like uh, Hydro? Uh,
0: you know, since this is a blockchain uh, podcast, uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm really enthusiastic about the possibilities of blockchain for Hydro moving forward. But I think uh, there are many reasons for that, and I think Sven uh, touched upon them. Um, um, uh much better than I can do but the, the main point uh, you know in you know if this is uh, moving from you know simply being interesting or is to, is to be moved from simply being interesting and fascinating it, by the end of the day, obviously one critical part is is uh, scalability right and 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 the fact that yes it's it's uh, it's useful for hydro in and by itself, which was a main thing with this pilot as well, right I mean you had to have some low hanging fruits because I mean, we can initiate a lot of, you know, um, processes in Hydro, but it should be, you know, some tangible benefits of doing it. And with reduction secal, like that's quite easy because it, it's something we promote anyway. But if it's it's supposed to take off, so to speak, we need, you know, companies like Nestre, we need companies A, B, C, D looking into this and seeing it as an opportunity themselves because that's when you create these ecosystems where you have a lot of players. Crisscrossing data, uh, tagged to the different products, and and just envision if I mean, and of course this is the background for the digital passports that the EU is also discussing, right? You know, looking at how you can remove all the transaction costs, literally transaction costs that you have when you transfer data from once from A to B to C to D, because there's so many interactions, and if you can just remove all the need for paper, it's much easier in a trusted way. But, but for blockchain, you know, for Hydro, uh, by the end of the day, it's it's this ability to talk across the value chain all the way to the end consumer, both provide the information, but I think maybe equally important, providing the right information in a way they understand immediately, because it gives them the ability to make informed decisions if they want to, say, be sustainable, right? It's It's not always a lack of information. That is the problem, I find. It's more that the right information, like in a split second, and you immediately understand that the product A is, for want of a better word, more sustainable than product B. I think if we can start working with that with our customers, that'd be hugely fascinating. And of course, for episode two, we have to look into the possible benefits of recycling, right?
1: Great. Uh, with that, I want to thank our guest, uh, Sven from DNV and Jurgen. Uh, very nice of you to join us today. And uh, hopefully this is going to be a very interesting topic going forward with, with more to come. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Hydro Talks. Make sure to subscribe. If you have any feedback or comments, get in touch at podcast at hidro.com.